Are you a waste man? Letters to waste men. Weho! What up, everyone? It's your girl Rosie with another episode of Letters to Waste Men. I hope y'all are doing great. I hope you're staying safe. I hope you're staying sane. And um, I hope you're enjoying my podcast and also the uh, mini documentary series I recently released on my YouTube channel. Please keep on letting me know what you think, what you learn, what you disagree with. I enjoy your feedback. I find it helpful. It makes me grow and it inspires me for future content. So um, keep it up. Um, So today I'm with another guest. I went all the way to Amsterdam for this one because... It is with none other than Critic Cars. Hey, how you doing, ladies and gentlemen, especially <laughs> the ladies? My name is Critic Cars, and um, I'm a human that's trying to do as much as I can before I die. Okay, what an introduction. <laughs> how are you? <laughs> I'm great. I'm great. I feel good. You're a bit tired, didn't it? I'm a bit tired, but I had a lovely day today. What you did, did too, right? I had. I went I went shopping. I, I bought trainers. Exclusive trainers. <laughs> from a boutique in Amsterdam. Because I was like, when you go to Amsterdam, you gotta buy trainers. Yeah. So um I'm flexing. She's got her trainers on my new carpet and I'm not Fun. even mad. <laughs> what did you do today? Um today I went to work. Um I work at Daily Paper. I'm an intern yeah. at Daily Paper. So I was at work, and then I had a meeting at this bookstore called Mendo, Mendo's Books, Mendo Books. It's one of the coolest bookstores in Amsterdam. And uh, I had a pitch, basically, a conversation with the owner of this bookstore to have my book club take place there. Mm-hmm. And initially, I just wanted to have, like, one session, if I could. And the dude was like, yo, let's partner up and, like, make this thing into a, a, a monthly event where mm-hmm. me and you and Mendo team up together. Mm-hmm. Which means the world because this is an idea that I just thought up when I was chilling in bed reading a book. <laughs> it's crazy to get that into reality. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one of the many things you're doing. Maybe yeah. what what are the other things that um, you do that keeps you busy? I make music. Um, I've got an EP out called Bamba Chaga. Bamba Chaga. Chaga. Bamba Chaga. Apart from that, I got like mad singles out. I'm working on my next project. Um, I write scripts. I wrote a movie, and yeah. I do photography sometimes. I just do a lot of stuff. Yeah. Stuff that I like. Creative soul. Yes. Creating content, channeling your messages into your content. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason why I invited you like most <laughs> specifically today is because I interviewed you for Chase Music and mm-hmm. uh, we slightly touched upon um, your views on toxic masculinity and um, how patriarchy affects our behaviors and that. So I was like, okay, that's I'd really love to talk to you on my podcast and here we are and maybe let's also talk like for a minute about yesterday so yesterday we tried to record this podcast yeah i am such a moron like i forgot like my cables i forgot batteries no i forgot my sd cards she's um, not a moron <laughs> we tried so many times to record it then 
eventually he fixed an SD card of his friend. But um, like, and we were already talking for an hour, and then we realized, or I realized, um, the uh, recording stopped after twelve minutes because the SD card was full. But let's start with your definition of a waste man. That's how you usually start. Well, my definition of a waste man is somebody that doesn't stay true to their word. And I feel like somebody that's just too comfortable in too comfortable to do something for themselves. If that makes sense. Too comfortable to like move and try to make something out of their lives that they usually only think about themselves yeah either they only think about themselves or they just don't think far enough or big enough mm-hmm. that's a waste man mm-hmm. how did that grow that view mm, people that was that would encounter for example this is a huge example but i climbed the kilimanjaro mm. and before i climbed it like the year before i climbed it i'll tell everybody i'm gonna climb the kilimanjaro i had no idea how i was gonna climb it i didn't have the money for it all this other stuff so I tell people I'm going to climb it instead of I'm thinking of climbing it. Mm-hmm. And people would meet like people would meet me with, uh, are you sure? Are you ready to climb it? Do you have like the physique for that? Blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. The and, qualities uh, for it. Yeah. yeah. The, the, what's this? The, faci- the facilities for that. Yeah. The skill. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I was like, I don't know if I do, but I'm going to climb it, you know? And um, I feel like a waste man would be the type of person that is comfortable and would project their fears on others. Because mm-hmm. like if someone is gonna pursue something, you might as well let them do it. But if quote unquote, if you're a waste man, in my opinion, you're the type of person that'll be like, yo, actually, yo, just stay here. Why are you trying to climb up mm. this mountain? You get me? People that like to stay in their comfort zone that don't really want to challenge themselves to grow. Exactly. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. And people that don't stay true to the word. So that's yeah. Just, and um, maybe you could add to that that as well that they. Uh, feel comfortable in in staying at what other people expect and maybe the low expectations of others that they feel comfortable in living up to the low expectations of others because it doesn't really challenge them to, you know, to improve as a person, to maybe change other people's views on you. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) And have you, like, um, discovered waste men traits in yourself? Um... I've had it from times, but going by my definition of it, I've had it like towards myself where um, if I'm trying to pursue something, I think of the bad outcomes or what could go wrong before anything. Um, but I don't have that anymore. Mm-hmm. I climbed the Kilimanjaro, man. Yeah. Nothing can stop me. Nothing can stop you. I'm all the way up. Yeah. <laughs> the only way <laughs> is up, but you've already been to the top, so what's next? Exactly. <laughs> but that's more I'm happy. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. you just took every chance that came your way. Yeah, and I'm living yeah. as much as I like, uh, yeah. as much as I want. And um, what qualities have you, like, waste my qualities, have you discovered in your friends? And what? how did you learn from that? Um, For my friends, I don't hang out with people that I feel would project their fears onto me or people that are too comfortable in waste manism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's what I said. But, like, yeah, it's just people that are too comfortable with, being in a position that doesn't benefit them in a sense or just that don't challenge themselves to move forward. Those, I mm-hmm. can't consider those people friends. So I don't really have, but, that, I, but I, yeah. I've dropped friends because of that. I mm-hmm. think. But I think there's a lot of people who, I mean, it's a bit harsh to say I can't be friends with people who don't like to challenge themselves because it's, I think it's like low key in many of us. Or do you mean when it's like really obvious and, that they don't want to challenge themselves. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it's it's when when somebody is challenging themselves, you speak down on it, that type of thing. 
So mm-hmm. those are the people I don't associate with. Mm-hmm. And even then, like I'm cool with people that don't charge themselves to a state to to an extent, but like do something mm-hmm. or at least be happy because mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know, it's hard to explain. Mm-hmm. No, but like I get you. Um, we talked about it on the previous episode that people don't really like to change their like it could be low-key that they don't like to change their routine and that they often complain and put themselves in this victim role but they don't do anything about it and it's so draining to be around people like that because they drain your energy as well and yeah yeah i feel like waste man for me would be dead weight Mm. and it's basically like to put it in terms of people that go to the club because you don't do that anymore much but like if you go into the club it's that one dude that doesn't pay for anything but wants to drink all the bottles and take mm. pictures with everything. Yeah. That's a waste, man. Yeah, to live above their standards, actually. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Just to look like someone they're not, mm-hmm. to fit in. Yes. But don't we all want to fit in? Yeah, but they don't want to put the work in to actually yeah. like, do something about it for themselves that benefit of other people. Mm-hmm. I feel like people have waste men in their family. There's a waste man in all of us. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> there is. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Um, you feel like motivated to talk about toxic masculinity and to raise awareness around it um, through your work, through your book clubs, maybe mm-hmm. through your music, yeah. through your... Through everything I do. Yeah. Interviews, whatever. Um, why? Why do I feel motivated? Why do you... Yeah. Why do you... Why do you feel the need to do it? Because it's important. I feel mm-hmm. like for anybody that's an artist that has like a a form of expression that would be seen by more people than their family or their friends, you have to realize they have no responsibility. Because just like propaganda or adverts or, I don't know, yeah, propaganda technically, um, you ex- these people are going to be exposed to it. Mm-hmm. So you got to make sure that what you're exposing them to is beneficial to them, you know? So mm-hmm. I feel like that's something. Because technically, you can change the world. There's a song. You can make a song that becomes a hit. You don't know if it's going to be a hit. Um, it doesn't even have to be a hit. Somebody, the right person has to be at the right time, and it could change their life, and they could change somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, you know? So what does, what does changing the world mean to you? What does changing the world mean to me? Yeah. Um, just changing the people that you, get, that you come into contact with. Yeah. It because doesn't... Mm. It's it, it doesn't need to be like large scale yeah. changing the world. It can be just the people close to you. Yeah. yeah. Some people don't leave their village. There's somebody in fucking Slovakia right now that hasn't mm-hmm. left their village for their whole life. Mm-hmm. But if they manage to change that village, that's changed the mm-hmm. world for them. Mm-hmm. You know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do find um like I can't really relate to people who don't want to leave their trusted neighborhoods because I'm all about like discovering new things. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel better about it you know i do get it um but they could discover themselves in in other ways i guess but i I do find it really valuable to go out of your comfort zone and out of your neighborhood to to grow yeah if you go to any like don't want to make this about race Mm -hmm. but this is a good example like if you go to any country that's mainly white and you or i don't know I guess maybe not black or just any country anywhere, mm-hmm. anywhere. And you go inland and you go to those villages and you just talk to the people. As a black person, they'll be scared of me or they'll probably hate me because they see what they see on TV or I don't know what. If I go to China, I go into the 
the the rural areas it'll be the same thing because they just haven't been exposed that's what you're saying right mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. they just need to leave anywhere mm-hmm. right now i'm in amsterdam i'm seeing a whole different side of the world mm-hmm. and it's just the next like it's not far from belgium right no but yeah. it's still different exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah and um how do you feel like when you go to a place where there are not many people of color how do you deal with ignorance um doesn't necessarily need to be like harsh racism but when they're not used to people of color being in their in their surroundings how do you explain or how do you make them aware if it um if it doesn't directly affect me it's not my problem yeah if it does then i'll probably say something but it's not my job to educate people anymore you gotta pay me for that Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I used I actually did get paid to educate people, so I'm not going to do that for free anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I had an interview with um, a Sudanese man. He's like over his fifties, and um, in Arabic culture, no, yeah, he's like Sudanese, like he's Muslim, um, and the he he always when he moves to a different neighborhood, he like brings food to the houses to his neighbors because it shows that he's coming with peace and and he's inviting everyone to come to, to his and that they're all, always welcome mm-hmm. and um he sent his kids to to send food to the houses and they came back with money because everyone thought they were begging for money and so he went to every house to explain this is not this i don't want money nor do i want feedback on the food i mm-hmm. just want to show this is my culture it's like i want to show you i'm coming with peace and you're welcome Yeah, and I like to connect with my neighbors because that's Belgian culture. We don't even know our neighbors often. Yeah. So, but that's not really. Do you feel like that's already too much of educating? You're, you'd be like. Yeah, I feel like yeah, it. At the end of the day, like especially now, me as a black person, because that's a different culture, right? Mm-hmm. Me as a black person, when it comes to educating, I guess ignorant people or white people, mm-hmm. just ignorant people, because they're ignorant black people too. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm tired. If you don't if you don't know things by 2021, then there's no point. That means you don't want to know. Because um, I organized, I co-organized the first ever Black Lives Matter protest in Belgium. Mm-hmm. And that was 2016. Yeah. And you know how much stress and pain leads to making a protest? It's a lot of, you know, a lot of time. So for me to get the anger and actually make it happen in 2016 took a lot. So to and do so, that. And an ex- Um, amount of years later it's like the same thing all over again yeah we did a protest last year yeah yeah and and like i remember the first protest that i did someone was like yeah when are you gonna do this again i'm like i hope i never have to do this again and here we are like you said doing it again mm-hmm. and you see the exact same rhetoric oh i'm gonna educate myself oh somebody needs to educate me this bro <laughs> what mm-hmm. are you doing really man? yeah that's what, uh, all, that's all i saw on social media mm-hmm. you know um from people that weren't oppressed in the same way as uh, the black people were I need to get educated, blah, blah, But, like, bro, it's been out here for years, decades. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, um, that's it. But um, don't you think repetition is important, even though it's draining? Mm-hmm. It's still, like, I think it's about balance, of course. Like, you, you're not obliged to educate people. But I, I do find it, it's, it's useful still, even though they're not really listening. I mean, there's power in repetition and there's power in mass repetition like if like right now we have like social media it's you could move masses and even though it's about the same issue that's been going on for years decades there is more awareness going around bigger 
Yeah, yeah. but is that awareness doing anything on like a tangible level? Well, we don't know yet. I think we should see it like long term, but there's already been a lot of initiatives, and I think it's just about like the only thing we can do is talk about it. Still. Yeah, I'm just tired of talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I'm tired of but, talking about it to ignorant people. Yeah. People that just don't know enough, unless they're like actually genuinely trying to learn. And I can see that they're actually doing the work. Or instead of like, hey, I don't know enough. Educate me. Because I'd get that message a lot in my DMs. Yo. Mm-hmm. But different people. And that's repetition. It's repetition towards me. Because I am keep, keep on getting people, hey, educate me. Bro, I don't know you like exactly. that. Like, and just listen to what I have said yeah. before. Exactly. If you're DMing yeah. me on Instagram, then you can go on Google that's or amazing. YouTube. The documentary is everywhere. So just look it up. Or mm-hmm. just use common sense, you know. They're a bit, they're a bit lazy, but you... they. Still, their intentions are good. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's, I can't say that. Um, yeah, but it's uh, it's also it's also a case of privilege to have to be educated on somebody else's pain. As an oppressed person, I don't think yeah. it's our place to educate people. It, it could be our place to educate people of of privilege, but the people of privilege need to talk among themselves. The same with police. A policeman's gonna listen to another policeman if they say, "Yo, don't do that," you know. A smoker is going to listen to another smoker. They say, yo, I'm going to stop smoking cigarettes. Then you'll be like, mm, maybe I should stop. Instead of like a non-smoker telling a smoker, yo, they're mm-hmm. like, yo, shut up. You don't smoke. You don't know my struggle. <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. those type of things. And men. With legitimacy. Exactly. Yeah. And men need to police other men. Because people that, like a man that is truly misogynistic will not listen to a woman if she tells him like, yo. Uh, Definitely. I hate, I hate how I'm being treated in this world. I'm like, fuck you. Yeah. I don't know. It, but I have like a quick anecdote about ahead, that. Um, when I look at the listeners, the genders of my like my audience, um, like with the first episodes, it was mostly men who, who listened to my podcast. Mm-hmm. And then when I look at my followers, there's like barely any men. Like it's, the ratio is just not the same as the statistics we're, we're seeing. Yeah. So um, that's literally the point. They, they don't follow me on Instagram because they think um, that'd be weird or something, but then still they, they listen to my podcast. And if I would have been a man talking about the same topic, I'd probably attract more men or they'd be less embarrassed to follow me on Instagram. Exactly. Anyways, yeah, continue. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. very true. It's valid right there. Yeah. For example, if Bill Gates went on TV right now and told a bunch of his billionaire friends, like, yo, we're getting too much money, man. Let's start giving yeah. money to the poor. Like... You know, on a real level, like, hey, my billionaire friends, stop it. You know, or something like that. Mm-hmm. They'll listen to him. They won't listen to me. I'm a, I'm not a billionaire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm, if I tell them, hey, yo, give money to poor people. What mm-hmm. the fuck you need? Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway, that was a big analogy, but you yeah. get what I'm saying. So th- is that, like, that's a big motivator for you to, like, talk about it because you feel like they would actually listen. Yeah. Yeah. So you you did have a good influence on your peers yeah, yeah. Say, so, yeah. I've seen it with my brother. I've seen him change because he's had some toxic masculinity stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've seen him change his ways thanks to me leading by example and just talking to him in different situations. I've seen it with other friends of mine, uh, even women. Because mm-hmm. women, like, cause it's, it's a system, that toxic masculinity, right? Or the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. So talking to women about how telling somebody to be a man or man up is really fucked up. It's problematic. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, those type of things. And you see the, how they change, and it's really cool. Mm-hmm. And to not be scared to endanger your men's pride or your friends, whatever. Um, yeah, to, to dare to to say something. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they don't take that 
in a mature way, then that says more about them than about you. Exactly. Yeah. And what have you learned from your own friends about masculinity? About my masculinity yeah. or how to be masculine? How did your uh, own view on masculinity get into shape? Maybe you start with your fam, your parents. Oh, my parents. My yeah. parents. Um, my dad was a was a really um, powerful person. He was a diplomat and he was also a taxman. And thanks to him, Zambia had a huge um, development boom in 2013. He brought in the most tax that the country's ever seen in its history, even to this day. You know? mm. And so he's a really powerful person. But at the same time, he managed to show us that, you know, being this powerful man, you can still be vulnerable, you can still cry, you can still talk about your feelings in in public or in open, you know. Um, you can still, you know, love your wife openly and, and you know, yeah. be passionate and stuff like that. Yeah. And you can still, like, let your guard down in different ways that toxic masculinity doesn't allow those different things. You get me? Mm -hmm. So I learned that from my, from my dad. My mom just... She was a strong, she is a strong ass woman. She's fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I see a lot of myself in her. And she'd also teach us a lot of things about how my dad used to teach, sorry, my dad used to teach us, me and my brothers, how to be gentlemen. He literally would give us classes on how to be gentlemen. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you have to open the door for a woman, this mm -hmm. chivalry stuff. Um, and my, my mom would teach us um, that whether we're men or not, you're going to do the dishes, you're going to have to cook, all these other things. Mm -hmm. And those lessons, I guess, those tools that they gave us made me realize that we're all the same, mm -hmm. whether men or women, we need to cook, we need to clean, which is part of toxic masculinity to think that it's not a man's job to do that stuff. Mm -hmm. By the way, like earlier, I really liked um, your friends, but when the guy said like, um, when you brought the bananas, mm -hmm. he was like, maybe you could make banana pancakes. I was like. Or maybe Criticals could make that himself, you know? Oh, like, right, I was yeah. triggered a little bit. <laughs> I didn't say anything, but I was like... I mean, he probably didn't mean it that way. Yeah, yeah, I guess not. I just don't know how to make pancakes. Yeah, maybe that's why. <laughs> I hope that's so. Why. I hope so. Anyway, least... I don't want to turn everything into a political conversation, you know? Mm. So <laughs> Yeah, I get that. But you see those things, like you just said, you see those moments. And yeah. technically, it's not their fault because... We're all products of our environment, I guess. But if you notice those, mm. then they're loud. Yesterday, you also mentioned that your dad also showed that your wife or your woman could pursue the same goals career-wise yeah. than you. And it doesn't make you less valuable as the man of the family or yeah, whatever that means. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I learned from my parents. They mm -hmm. were both busy people, which is what led me to having to learn how to cook and stuff because they'll travel a lot. And I was having to take care of my siblings. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn how to cook. I had to learn how to do groceries and all those mm -hmm. other things. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And you also said during the interview uh, with Chase Music that you learned a lot from your sister. Yeah. As well. Like, what did you... My sister's my biggest inspiration, man. She's the coolest person in the world. My little sister. Mm -hmm. She's got discipline like nobody I've ever seen in this world. Her discipline is insane. And the way she carries herself, the way she navigates life and this world i go to her for advice mm -hmm. because just she's fucking amazing i, I don't even know how to describe it she's mm -hmm. so dope yeah mm -hmm. blessings <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah i honestly think that um our family was blessed with her like god gave us her as a as a gift to like ground us in so um maybe on another note now like we, we both we're both aware that we're living in a patriarchal society 
In what ways have you challenged it? By doing my nails and getting my boss to do his nails. Period. Colleagues. Right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, um, you like about uh, we just got from uh, back from Daily Paper where he invited your friend who does nails. Yeah. Yeah. And it was your masculine friend who yeah. just went so nails. down. Yeah. Even my boss did it. My, yeah. The founder was there. He was doing his nails as well. And um, yeah, I feel like I challenge it with those things. It's, it's very simple. It's a mm. statement, right? It's like a small thing. We're just having fun. Like for us in that office, it was so normalized, right? Mm-hmm. But if we pay, take a picture and show it something that's misogynistic, that doesn't, it's not used to seeing that, they'd be like, yo, why would, why are those guys getting their that's nails? Gay. Yeah. 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 But that's how I challenge it. And so um, just different things that I do, just doing the fuck I want, doing whatever mm-hmm. I want, mm-hmm. whether it's to walk around with the dress. Mm-hmm. walk on heels whatever floats your boat exactly mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and in what ways have you benefited from patriarchy i think um being able to walk around the night without feeling scared yeah. as much as women would um there's a lot of things and there's so many things that i'm not even aware of yeah. um for example if like for example people wouldn't ask me to make coffee or make pancakes right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um Mm-hmm. Even the masculine thing that I did that did talk about masculinity and the whole panel was just men. Mm. Yeah, it was gay men, yeah, maybe um, talk trans about, men and stuff. Talk about that poem you wrote. Oh, what I wrote was the concept. Yeah. yeah, the poem was about, uh, it was for the Finnish culture, the Finnish Institute of Culture in Brussels. Um, they basically had a month for masculinity and toxic masculinity and masculinity and all its facets. You should facets. check it out. It's yeah. really cool. Yeah, and, and uh, I basically wrote a poem for them or for the theme. They asked me to write a song or something. So I wrote a poem basically explaining that nothing makes you a man other than choosing to be a man. Man, oh man, oh man. Don't be scared to ever show emotion. Man, oh man, oh man. Take care of your hair with cancer potions. Man, oh man, oh man. You don't need to fight. You can talk it out. Use your mind, my guy. Man, a woman ain't your therapist, my man. We all have skin, so please take care of it. You're busy occupied with all the hoes and acting careless. You think that makes you strong? But you're only strong with wearing it. By it, I mean emotion and your feelings. Wear it on your sleeve. Once you share it with your family and friends, it puts your mind at ease. Real men don't need approval from the piss because they already got it. Masculinity seems synonymous to man. But you're still a man without it. You know, you could do all these things, but you, you, you're just a man. Like, if you want to be a man, you're a man. You don't need to prove it to anybody. Mm-hmm. That was the goal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like, yeah. yeah, a man is whatever it could be. It is not necessarily how much beer you can consume or how <laughs> high you can get or how many women you can get. Or, yeah, or how much money. Yeah, you make. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and gender is fluid. We've learned yeah. that. I feel like a lot of people have learned that. A lot of people don't want to acknowledge that. But gender is fluid. People can change from a woman to a man from one day to the next. One of my colleagues is trans. Mm-hmm. But we don't even make it a thing. Mm-hmm. Gender is different from sex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Many people don't see it that way. Yeah. Um, so those are the things where you benefited from. So let, let's go back to that part. How you, you benefited from patriarchy because you, you don't feel um, that you have to be aware all the time of your safety and all of that so um sarah everard is like the the girl who yeah i talked about it yesterday um who was murdered in london about like three weeks ago or something because she was walking alone at night from 
her boyfriend's house uh, to to hers. And have you ever experienced that you were with like another girl at night on the street and you were you felt like oh my god shit I might even scare her and I don't even want to. Every time, even when I'm walking in the daytime and there's a girl in front of me, I get worried that I'm making her uncomfortable. I said it yesterday, but I'm a big black guy. I've always been a big black guy my whole <laughs> life. And uh, that has somehow been translated to being an intimidating person. Um, but you're not. I'm not. I'm a yeah. big teddy bear. So mm -hmm. I've, I've literally been called a teddy bear my entire life mm -hmm. ever since I was a kid. Even at work, they call me a teddy bear. Yeah. But uh, yeah, people don't see that. If I'm walking down the street behind a stranger, of they're going to see me. Yeah. You know, And yeah, in those situations, I feel really bad. But I try to like make them feel comfortable in a way by like crossing the street. And smiling. Or smiling. <laughs> I think it would be creepy if I'm following someone and I smile at them. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but like if it's in situations like if I'm on the elevator with somebody and it's just me and her, I'll smile. I'll just like yeah. turn away. I don't know what. Yeah, yeah, I just try to make myself small. Mind your own business. Mm -hmm. yeah. Why would you think that it's still such um, a big thing? I was not aware that things like that are still happening. Like, And that's something that got in the media. And there's so much that doesn't get into the media, you know? Yeah. So how how does it come? Like, how is it possible that it's still so present? That Like, I, I don't see women doing that to men. Oh, you know? yeah. Why? why is that? Yeah, we got to address that. People mm -hmm. say not all men, but like when your sister leaves the house or your girlfriend leaves the house to go to a party or something by foot on her own, you're not scared of women jumping her, right? Mm -hmm. Scared mm -hmm. of another guy jumping, I don't know what. But why does that still happen? Is because people allow it. The system allows it. Did the people that uh, killed Sarah? Did they? Were they found? They. She was. Yeah. She. Her like body parts were found mm -hmm. somewhere a couple of days later, and there there were some suspects. But I haven't really followed it since then. But mm. um, yeah, he probably get repercussions. Yeah, he should. He will. He will. But I feel like we just really need to make an example. This is really radical. I'm gonna say something radical. Mm -hmm. We need to make an example of male perpetrators. You know, if you're making a woman uncomfortable, if you do something violent towards a woman, we need to make you an example to show that yo, we don't fucking playing around. Mm -hmm. I feel like if a woman kills her rapist, if it's during the act, because I don't mm -hmm. know there's a lot of blurred lines when it comes to that, mm -hmm. but if a woman kills her kills her rapist, she shouldn't go to jail because she was defending him. herself. Yeah, she could he could impregnate her and she'd be stuck with a baby. And what's that? If she if she aborts the baby, she's she's damned if she does or damned if she doesn't. If she mm -hmm. aborts the baby, she's called a murderer. Mm -hmm. If she takes if she actually gives birth to the baby, now she's got a fucking bill mm -hmm. for the rest of her life, mm -hmm. whether she loves the baby or not. That's something she didn't ask for. And mm -hmm. it was imposed onto her. So if she chooses to kill the guy that, that raped her, I feel like it shouldn't be punished. But I think if a woman killed her, a rape, her rapist out of self-defense, mm -hmm. I think there would be, that would all be taken into account. But if it's just because, like, to make a statement, like, I don't know how to... No, I feel like this, the, 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 the judges or, like, the court needs to make a statement. Because... P women have killed people out of self-defense and they go to jail. There was a huge mm -hmm. case about this girl that killed a rapist who was a serial rapist, like not serial rapist, but he was raping her over time. I think it was her father or her stepdad or something. I don't mm -hmm. know what it was. And she finally got the courage to kill him. Mm -hmm. And she went to jail. It was, was not during the act. It was like with, um, it was like pl all planned. And yeah. yeah. But, but he was raping her. Yeah. I don't know. That's, it's a, that's what I said. It's really radical and it's very blurred lines. But I feel like we have to do something to set an example in some way, not just that, but like, I don't know, some way to mm -hmm. make it uh, stop. Because the reason it's 
still continuing the reason men are able to do their stuff is because mm-hmm. they're still allowed. Mm-hmm. I think it doesn't need to be that like ex- extreme, but um, <laughs> I think by just addressing it and yeah i mean i also think like there's so much bad connotation to feminism Mm -hmm. um but i think it's also necessary to have these radical feminists to create like a balance or like more of a yeah more of a balance a long term because like both opinions we live in a in a democracy we have public debates etc and hopefully when people don't think so polarized as they do nowadays we could come to like sort of a consensus that's really ideological (laughs) i hope so but like i feel like the main problem in that is that uh we gave it a name feminism is is benefiting men and women Mm. you know men will be freed from toxic masculinity and this whole masculine thing if feminism had its way right by definition but we gave it a name we gave this movement a name and different people are leading. And there's no one sole leader. And even then, every movement that comes from someone that calls himself a feminist represents the word feminist. And that's a fucks up thing because you can set the different types of it, right? Labels. Exactly. Now, the label of Black Lives Matter, I don't want to bring it back to race completely, but mm. Black Lives Matter got ruined. So now if you say Black Lives Matter, first off, it's getting marketed mm-hmm. because now it's got a label. Let's put it on our company. We don't invite, we don't have a lot of black people in the boardroom, but Black Lives Matter, so... Mm. You get me? Mm-hmm. And um, this, yeah. And then they talk shit about people that say Black Lives Matter when literally it's just to say Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. But then they've been demonized because they have that label. Mm-hmm. You get me? It's the same. Um, but you'll, there will always be haters, whatever you do, <laughs> yeah. first of all. But then also it labels, it structures society. Like same thing with Borna, um, mm-hmm. the female, do you know Borna? It's like um, porn made by women for women or men, like for everyone. Whoa. And porna is is good because it brings, like in a way, because it brings a more women-friendly and more um, respectful porn influence into the mainstream porn industry. But um, on the other hand, it also stigmatizes female sexuality a lot. It's like very pink, very romantic. And that's also, that's like detrimental to the stereotypes that already exist. Mm-hmm. But that's another, and I already talked about it on the last uh, episode. Yeah. But um, also the thing that people say when you generalize, for example, about like men, uh, why did you always feel allowed to, how do you say, catcall? We were talked about it yesterday. Like, yeah. Um, or hunk um, the car when they when they pass by a woman. Um, what well, You had that yesterday. Yeah, I had that yesterday. Why, wait, what was I going to say? What are you doing? Oh, you're going to sit down like that. Um, why do men have the audacity to say not, but not all men? And it's like, that's not the point, my guy. Like, it's, we know it's not all men. It's not about that. It's about there's enough men to make us feel unsafe still. You know, yeah. it's not about you. It's about us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I keep bringing it back to race, but this is a mirror. <laughs> I keep bringing it back to race, but it's, okay. it's a mirror uh, between these two things because there's people of privilege or people that are oppressing, and then there's the oppressors. So in race is whites and people of uh, people of color, especially black. In genders, there's men and then there's women. I'm even doing this, and you understand that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's rich people, poor people, so many other things, right? Now, if you have a discussion with somebody that's uh, 
that's saying racist things as a white person and say, yo, what are you saying is racist? Are you calling me racist? Not all people are racist. My grandmother's, I got black friends, blah, blah, blah. It's the exact same thing as a man saying not all men. My brother's married to a woman. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. really, really ignorant. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. it, it deters the conversation and it really blocks you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That not all men thing is just fucked up. Because it can mm-hmm. mean not all men. For example, you could say I'm a feminist or all these other things, but yeah. you're still doing sexist shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. i feel like if you have to say in a discussion i'm not racist but then it's like mm, you're probably racist <laughs> just, just keep quiet <laughs> yeah. really. letters to wasteland